And we welcome you to the Thursday morning show on WGTD. I'm Gregory Berg. I am very happy to be sitting opposite a faculty colleague this morning, Dr. Peter Denay, a member of the music faculty and someone who uh, is very busy not only with his sort of normal teaching duties, but also as the coordinator of Carthage's annual Christmas festival. And we're going to be talking briefly about this year's Christmas festival, how it will differ from last year's, and uh, about Free, uh, about tickets that will go on sale tomorrow. Many fewer tickets than normal because of uh, COVID protocols that will drastically limit the size of the audience that is allowed to be in Siebert Chapel. But nevertheless, we're happy to have members of the community back in Siebert Chapel to enjoy that. So we'll talk briefly about that. But mostly today, we're talking on the morning show about Dr. Denae's experience in Tanzania. Uh, he spent uh, a, a large portion of last year in Tanzania on sabbatical, teaching and doing field research. And uh, it was uh, an extraordinary experience in many different respects. And so we'll be talking with him about that. Dr. Peter Denae, we welcome you back to the morning show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So glad we can have this conversation. Uh, let's touch on the Christmas festival, first of all. And maybe we should briefly remind people about... Uh, last year's Christmas festival, which was extraordinarily different from any Christmas festival in Carthage's history. Remind us of that and uh, what will happen this year by contrast. So so last year, obviously, we were in the midst of um, COVID protocols and and, um, we were were in person in classes and and for the most part and we're rehearsing but um, distanced and all of that and we had canceled the live performance of the Christmas festival. And actually, I think it was just a couple weeks from now, we had started our recording of the Christmas festival. So way, way early, getting, getting, starting to get recordings done. So it was a, it was a video production of our Christmas festival, very true to the original, um, kept the same sort of format. And, um, but it was a different in the term of we, we had the Christmas festival set up almost all semester in the chapel mm. in order to be able to record um, at different points throughout the semester. And when, when ensembles were ready to, to perform pieces, we recorded them um, and then put it all together into a video. And uh, I think it was a very successful um, uh, pr- pr- a production. Um, it certainly was not the same, but it was... Um, think especially for our seniors it was important to be able to have done something um, related to Christmas festival and not and not just leave it go um, so and then for this year we're going back to live performance but we um, we have we're following the protocols that are in place now and that's the distancing and so we've we're less than half of what is normally in the chapel so chapel typically holds about 1300 people and we have about 600 seats available this year so that's going to drastically limit the number of people who can attend we've been typically selling out the 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 chapel um, in previous years um, all three nights and so we're anticipating that the tickets will go fast and um, wanted to give everybody a heads up that they they go on sale on um, October 1st is that tomorrow that yeah. is tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and um, there, you can get them online at the. Uh, I, I, unfortunately, I can't give you the 
the email address, but if I mean that, I mean the website, but it's um, if you go to Carthage.edu and do the um, box office, you'll find it. Um, and um, tickets are ten dollars. We we actually started charging um, the year before the COVID, um, charging for the festival, and so they're a ten dollar um, charge. And if you want to have dinner, that's um, twenty five dollars more. We're offering dinner all three nights this year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, if people go to Carthage.edu, there's a little search bar up at the top of the front page. And if you just type in box office, I right. think it comes up very easily and yes. and it goes from there. But uh, you should probably do it tomorrow. You should probably do it early tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think 7 o'clock is when it, when it opens. Um, um, and I, I guess I didn't – the theme this year is Come to Us, Abide With Us. Um, comes from a little town of Bethlehem lyrics one of the verses, and I, 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 I can't probably not going to be able to pull those words out of my head this morning, but um, that, that verse really spoke to me last spring when I was thinking about the festival, and um, it, it kind of talks about being in the darkness and, oh, and, yeah. and, coming, and coming out of that. Yeah, no, I love that. I think yeah. the last verse is, uh, O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast off our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. Yeah, I mean, it's just yeah. That, I exquisite. think that whole that. What's interesting is that you know you never. I think you think about the words when you sing them in for at Christmas time, but when you really um, look at each of those carols that we sing and think about today, hmm. um, I think that that carol in particular, every verse kind of speaks to um, speaks to where we've been in mm-hmm. the last year and a half or so, almost almost two years now, and and what we hope for in the future. Yeah, nicely put. For those of you just joining us, I'm speaking today with Dr. Peter Denay, who is a faculty colleague of mine from the music faculty at Carthage and uh, coordinator of Carthage's Christmas Festival among his many duties at Carthage. Uh, But we are talking primarily about his experience in Tanzania last year when he was on sabbatical. First of all, we don't have to go into a lot of detail, but uh, I think... Uh, a, a lot of our listeners are probably not all that well acquainted with the concept of sabbatical. I mean, yeah. maybe in general they are, but probably don't know anything about uh, what's involved in in a member of the college faculty securing sabbatical yeah, for themselves. That's a good and, question. Yeah, yeah. So um, what's interesting is it's it's a benefit of 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 being a a, a college professor that you're afforded this opportunity to apply for a, a sabbatical and which is typically which is typically a semester long um, being excused from from your teaching duties to to focus on some sort of research and this is I don't even know it's like my 30th year as a professor maybe or more I, I, I started in my first tenure track position was in 1995 hmm. um, so it's been a while and I have never taken a sabbatical when it, and it's typically something that you can do every five to seven years and I just have never done it and I thought I think I want to I, I want to and I think part of the issue is I, I don't like letting go of stuff ah. <laughs> and, and handing things over to other people. And I finally thought, okay, I can I I trust my colleagues. Everything is going to be okay. I can um, I can do this. And then I, um, you know, Carthage has had a tradition of students getting um, Fulbrights, and a student Fulbright is different than a faculty Fulbright. But um, and I had written several recommendations for students who then got Fulbrights and. And so I just started thinking, well, maybe I could take a sabbatical and uh, try and get a Fulbright scholarship to to do that. And 
And so, like I said, typically a sabbatical is a semester, and um, a Fulbright is is a commitment of 10 months. So that would Mm. mean a whole school year. Um, And so I applied for a full um, school, a whole academic year sabbatical. Um, And it's it's a fairly long process. You have to get letters of recommendation from from faculty colleagues and your administrators and things like that. And then you have to write a proposal and um, and all of and basically trying to persuade the administration just to say, yes, you're worthy for this and kind of show what you've done at the college. And you also have to have your colleagues in your department chair say, yes, we can we can we can fill this this person's position for a year. And so it involves a lot of other people. And um, the thing is, I, I, I applied for the Fulbright before I applied for sabbatical. So a lot of what I wrote for the for the Fulbright, I was able to then kind of put into my sabbatical um, request. But I, I didn't have the Fulbright um, when I when I applied for the sabbatical. And um, and and even once I was accepted for the sabbatical, I was still waiting to hear from Fulbright whether I could do whether I was accepted for that. Um, so there were lots of questions up in the air on whether wow. I was going to do it or not. Yeah, I was about to ask, you know, which was the chicken and which was the egg yeah. in terms of first do you get sabbatical and then do you, do you apply for a Fulbright or do you apply for a Fulbright and then go to your college? And, and it sounds like it was happening in a sense somewhat simultaneously. Yeah, so, so the, the, the Fulbright was due in September of 2019, so that was two years ago. Um, and then the, the, the sabbatical application was... was I don't remember when that was due, but I think that was due about the same time, probably. But mm-hmm. um, but then I didn't hear from Fulbright until I remember because I, I came on your show after um, after that, and um, it was it was right around the time when everything started happening with COVID, mm. and and um, and so it was one of the things that I was surprised with was when I put on Facebook that I had gotten this Fulbright is the number of people who had responded and. Um, you know, of support, and and I I, th- I I think it was because there wasn't a lot of good news at that yeah, time. Right. <laughs> I remember <laughs> that vividly, and yes, yeah. and and it also probably says something about the fact that you don't even have to be in the world of higher education, higher academia to understand what it means to get a Fulbright. Yeah. I mean, that's a yeah. big deal. Yeah, but yeah, you're absolutely right. We were all at that point hungry for good news. So, yeah. so the Fulbright means money. I mean, it's like right. It, it and, means support in lots of different ways, and 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 especially money wise. And I mean, I I was able to buy a car when I got there um, to Tanzania. It, yeah, when I was in Tanzania, and I could never have done that if I didn't have the money from from Fulbright to do that. Um, and 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 it, what's interesting, it was a it was a um, 2004 Rav Four and. <laughs> And every time I, any time I took um, a local in my car, they would talk about my new car <laughs> and and how nice my new car was. And because wow. uh, uh, most people don't have a car at all, there. yeah. And 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 if they do, it's not in great shape. And so this right. one, I was, it had just come from Japan. A lot of cars in Tanzania come from Japan, and and this one had been like a taxi or something, so it was well cared for. And wow. Um, Lots of miles on it, lots of kilometers on it, um, yeah. but it was a good car. Well, thank you, Fulbright, for yeah, right? making that possible. <laughs> and, of course, you were grateful to Carthage for ultimately uh, granting you sabbatical. Yes. Was the process of sabbatical, in, in, do you have any sense that that was complicated by COVID? I mean, in terms of 
of sabbaticals being granted in that so on? Well, I, I mean, I, I, I don't think so. I think, I think th- that happened before COVID. I don't mm. know what happened while I was away if, if there, were, there was trouble. I know a colleague of mine at Lawrence University was, was set to do a sabbatical the, 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 that spring semester when COVID came, and it just kind of totally decimated his plans. He was oh. planning to travel out of the country and do some research, um, and he just couldn't go. Well, I know that the time frame for your uh, experience in Tanzania uh, ex- underwent some yeah. fairly <laughs> radical change. What was the original plan, and then what happened to that original plan? Yeah, great. So, it, um, so it was. So, like I said, it was for ten months, and the original plan was to leave um, for Tanzania in mid October, late mid to late October, um, and be there for seven months. I um, know for ten months, and. And then I, so I, I think it was maybe late April, early May of 2020 um, that I got an email. Everybody, all the Fulbright scholars got an email from Fulbright saying that um, until further notice, there, were no, there was nobody approved for traveling on Fulbright. Um, and, and then it was silent for, um, I thought, a long time. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the, the plan is for Fulbright, you, you, get, you get the award announcement in the spring, and then um, you, one of the things you have to commit to is they give you, a, I don't remember what the date was, but I was supposed to go actually to Northwestern for, I think, a week and, and do um, training on basically what to expect and all the different rules related to Fulbright and all of that. Huh. And so all of that was canceled too, and um, and and so we didn't really hear anything, um, and 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 they they kept saying that they that we would we basically they said they would let us know in m- every month, but I don't think it w- I think it was longer than that um, where we stood, and and so it it became clear that it wasn't going to be likely to to happen in the fall, so I had already been approved for a whole year. And I contacted our dean, Corrine Ness, and said, it looks like I'm going to be here on campus. I'd rather be teaching than just kind of hanging out. And so I was approved to kind of to come back to campus and teach. I, I, taught, I didn't teach my typical fall load. I, took, I taught a different class than I usually do hmm. um, just because it, it made it easier. And, of course, you also coordinated this extraordinary <laughs> <That's> Christmas <right. laughs> festival yeah, that's uh, right. yeah, a so. la COVID, uh, <laughs> which was, I mean, it was great that you could be at the helm for that. I mean... Although in some ways you're, I mean, I'm sure your previous experience served you well, but yeah. it was also a very new adventure for all of us who were involved in it. But yeah, it was, yeah. There, I mean, there's lots of things that were obviously quite different, but I think you're right. I think having the the, the knowledge of how it's gone and and what elements still needed, and especially, I think doing it so differently to try and make it seem as much like it's been before. I think that that was a, a benefit for me being able to be there to help with that. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And and so so I so we started getting and this was really bad timing I think on Fulbright's part. After the school year started, they they still didn't approve us to go, but they said that they thought at some point they were going to approve everyone to go. And so they said we're going to start doing um what was supposed to have been done in the summer during the school uh, during the school year, we were going to do online classes, 
and and so I was I was teaching full time, and basically going to school kind of full time, taking these classes. Um, and, um, and what were the classes? Well, there were things like um, like how the medical insurance works, and and um, how to um, lots of of how to basically how to behave. Uh-huh. And and how to, what to expect and um, and there was a whole it was it was all Carthage uses Schoology but lots of schools use another system that I can't remember how it, what it's called now but it was all on a on a you had to kind of there were a series of classes and you had to to do the class online and then take a test and to show that you kind of learned the pertinent stuff for each of those tests, and you had deadlines when you had to do each of those classes. And it's on this other platform it's you on, had to right. learn. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, and, and so I was doing that at the same time, still not knowing if I was going or not. Um, and um, it wasn't until, I, I, I really can't give an exact time, but it was, it was fairly late. It was in November um, that we were notified that... Um, People who had been approved for a Fulbright in Sub-Saharan Africa um, could go if if you had to submit. So we we had this is like the third time we had to submit what our what our calendar would be when we would arrive and when we go and all of that. And so I I proposed I actually made two proposals because it wasn't actually when it was before we had been completely cleared to go. Um, they were saying it looked like we could go sometime in 2021. And so I, I submitted two proposals, one to leave in January, and then the second one, I mean, to arrive in January, and the second one to arrive in March because that's when their second semester starts. Hmm. Um, and, and, so, and then when it was approved, I said I want to go with the January dates, but it was late November, and so I had to scramble to get... Um, I had I, I still wasn't approved at that point. I still wasn't approved to do a research um, project in Tanzania by the Tanzanian government. I had submitted all my paperwork, um, but they they the week that I submitted the paperwork, um, or that I was supposed to submit the paperwork, was the same. They had a they had an election the same sort of time that we did last year, mm. um, and they and the president. Um, shut down the the internet system in Tanzania because he didn't want competition. Oh, dear. Um, and so the, the week that I had to submit it, the, the internet was shut down in Tanzania. And so I, I, I actually submitted it late because there was no way to do it. Um, and they accepted it, but then it took them um, over a month to 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 review it and approve and and it wasn't and they, I learned I since learned that they never approve anybody's the first time that mm. they always try and find something wrong with it and so so it was it was kind of preliminary approved but I had to I had to actually address um, how um, what I was doing was not appropriation appropriating somebody's culture. Wow, um, and, and to take it back to the United States and right. use it for your own gain, right? Or right, exactly. Interesting. I'm a little surprised. It would never have occurred to me that you would need approval. I mean, like if somebody from Tanzania wanted to come here and right. and research something, they would just come here and do right. that. So and if they were connected with the university, they'd probably have to get university approval to do the research. But there's no government agency that would have anything to do with it. Right. Um, 
the the the, the, <laughs> the Tanzanian government is very in, enmeshed in. It's a way of making money. I had to uh, oh. another thing that I had to pay quite a bit of money to for them to approve it, um, and and so 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 it just took time for it to happen, and and I think part of them not choosing not accepting it the first time may, in their minds made it seem like it was a real process. Mm. Um, and actually, I, I have a, a, a survey that I haven't filled out yet because they they sent me a f- survey a week or so ago. Um, saying they wanted to improve their process, so, <laughs> so I think there there could be something there, there that I could add for that. I don't know if they'll change it or not, but right. um, I, uh, as a quick aside, um, the president who I talked about as being kind of anti-democratic in in his way of seeking re-election um, ended up dying of COVID while I was there, wow. and he he actually was a COVID denier mm. and didn't allow there to be any, any um, discussion of COVID in the, in the country. Um, and, um, and after his death, the, the, the person who took over for him was a woman or is a woman. Um, and she kind of very kind of slowly has, has in, integrated that into the discussion. And it's, wow. it's, um, so it was very different experience there. Fascinating. For those of you just joining us, my guest today on The Morning Show is Dr. Peter Denay, a member of the music faculty at Carthage, and uh, we are talking today about his experience on sabbatical in Tanzania last year. So you left in January. I left I'm sure in that January. was a wildly uh, busy uh, wind-up to get everything you yeah, needed. Yeah, it was in crazy. Order. Yeah, and, and um, yeah, the, the, so the Fulbright helps you get the ticket and all of that stuff, and... and um, and and so just kind of deciding what I was going to bring and and what I needed and what I mean I, I I was pretty good but I didn't anticipate everything and I and um, brought things that I didn't need to bring and all of that <laughs> stuff but it was I, essentially I think I could have brought less um, but been more um, more picky about what I did bring and and maybe brought some I, it, it, it the big thing was it ended up being colder than i thought it was going to be and mm. i didn't really bring stuff for especially at night when it got, got cold yeah. interesting this is not your first time uh in tanzania nor at all your first time in africa you were That's telling correct. me before we went on the air you this was your 11th trip to africa you'd gone eight times to namibia yeah. and this was your third time uh to tanzania did you go in essentially to the same place in Tanzania? Yeah. And and how did you find that the, the the first time around? What what drew you there in the first place? Right. So so the first time I went, so I had been to I don't know how many times I had been to Namibia before that, but um, I always used the same, and I always brought students with me when I traveled to Namibia, and I always used the same um, tour agency. Um, I think it's based in Virginia. Um, and they contacted me and said, we have a special deal for people who've used us before. You, we, want you to, we want you to go to Tanzania and see if you could bring students there. And, and it was a really great deal um, um, for about a week in Tanzania. And they, they were, it was me and two other faculty from other universities actually in the South. And... Um, one was a political science professor and one was a science professor. So we were all in very different fields. Yeah. And so they created separate itineraries for each of us. There were some things that overlapped, but there, some days we would all go in different directions and meet back up again. 
at night. So it was basically, we want to show you Tanzania and we want to show you um, the kinds of things that you think you'd want to do with students in Tanzania. And it was a really great experience and um, they, they did a really great job of introducing us to the place. And I, I, hadn't, I had never brought a choir to Africa and I thought Namibia is, is, the thing about Namibia is there are very few people in Namibia. It's a, it's a large country about the size of Texas and Louisiana put together, but there are about two million people in the whole country. Wow. Um, and so if you bring a choir there, you have to do lots of traveling and, mm. and, and, um, and, and, and there's not a lot of, unless you're in the major cities, there's not a lot of people that would come to hear you. And, and Tanzania is, is, is a, a big country, but there are also lots of people that live there. I thought, we can do this. We can bring a, a choir there. So that was my initial goal, and um, to bring a choir. And we went in 2019 um, with the Treble Choir and had a great experience there. And while I was on that tour, one of, uh, one of the things that was on our itinerary was to perform at um, Tumaini University, Makamira, which is just outside of Arusha. And they have an amazing um, music facility there. Mm. Um, they got money th from the European Union um, to build oh. a beautiful um, outs outdoor um, um, performance space and, and three other buildings. Um, and so I met with the, with the director of that place, Randy Stubbs, and, and said, you know, I think I want to, I've been thinking about it uh, Fulbright for a long time, and he said, we've actually had several people come and do Fulbrights here. So they were used to that, and, wow. and, and, and so then I, I followed up on that afterwards. So your experience in Tanzania was split between teaching and field research. That's correct, You've yeah. touched on the field research since you had to secure uh, permission from the government to engage in that. Right. Uh, what what exactly were you interested in researching there? Um, so so there are. Uh, I, I should just say that that as I was putting together the proposal for Fulbright, um, they had they had said Fulbright had said as you're writing your proposal, you should try and reach out to people um, who who have who have done a Fulbright in your area and. They didn't give us a lot of guidance. I don't think that they're the ones who told me of the person I should contact, but I, I found this, this woman in Texas who had actually been to the same university, and she actually, I don't think she's paid by Fulbright, but she um, recruits people to, to, um, to, to apply for Fulbright hmm. um, in sub-Saharan Africa. And I didn't know of her until I looked her up, but um, I sent her my ideas, and she really helped me kind of refine my initial thought was I wanted to work um, with the Hadza, which is a, um, a tribe that's, that's not, it's, it's not too close to Arusha. It's out, outside of the area, uh, but it's, um, it's, 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 it's a really unique um, um, in group of people there. Um, th th there's nobody else in all of Africa that speaks their language. They, they, they have a click language which people thought was was connected to the, the the Bushmen of South Africa, but it's actually there's no connection. Hmm. And then when they were able to do DNA research there, there's nobody else in in the world actually that has their DNA. There are there are kind of an individual group of hmm. the people, and and they're very small. They're 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 essentially dying out. Um, 
and they're they're truly hunter gatherers and they they the the men get up in the morning and they go hunting if they don't get anything the women go and pick berries and and get vegetation and then that's what they eat and if the men get something um through hunting then that's what they have and it's every day is is that and um and i did record some music when i met them in 2019 so my original proposal was to to work with them and she really steered me away from that and um and just wanted told me you know said do something closer and um and focused on um what you what what you're really good at and that hmm. music ed is my thing and hmm. so i i changed it to um these these um three indigenous groups that are in north central tanzania um the chaga um which are they're mainly located in the foothills of uh, kilimanjaro um and then the meru which are in the foothills of uh, mount meru which is i think the fifth largest mountain in africa hmm. um and it's actually one that i saw every day it was right outside of my house mm. and then the masai which a lot of people know about the masai they're a very large group um that it actually spreads into kenya as well and they're they're kind of um north and west of of arusha mm. um yeah so and so what was it that you were intending to do oh, great. and how were you going to engage with them yeah so i i connected with um there's a a person um, who works who who um, works at the at the university who um, he, his job is kind of uh, he teaches one class in the music department but he also then is is putting together this archive that the, that they have of indigenous music from Tanzania and so I worked with him to he found I told him you know this is what I want to do and um and so he started just calling people and saying we want to do this and um and so he would find a a a group that's that that would be able to sing for me um and we'd go out and usually on a saturday or friday and just drive typically so i'd take my car my rav4 and like when we go into the kilimanjaro essentially you know you're on the main road getting to where you, and then you turn off on a gravel road and the gravel road gets more uh, <laughs> more not quite gravel and then eventually it gets kind of down to a two lane path and then it gets down to a footpath and you just and uh, there were several times where I just kept driving till I couldn't the par- the path got so narrow I couldn't drive my car through anymore and then um my my colleague would get out and go find them and bring them to me. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and so they'd come and sing and um perform music and um I, for the Maasai it was a little bit different. We um there were there were time the, the last Maasai group that I went to was actually a colleague of mine who's getting his doctorate um in Germany um and he's Maasai himself and he um he wanted to bring me to his hometown which is very near the Kenyan border. Um and so we we drove up there um together and spent a couple of days um and what was interesting is he's he already has a um he's got a, a masters in both music and um divinity um and so he had converted to christianity so there was some this was this was the first time that i had 
I wasn't quite feeling welcomed in the community hmm. um, because they were doing a traditional ceremony, sacrificing a, a cow, and um, and um, they felt that that because I was with him that we were judging them, and 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 so there was some. Um, actually, I got somebody yelled at me at one point. I didn't realize what was going on, and. And what the, my my colleague's name is Salulu. He became a good friend of mine, and he he then um, kind of s- stepped away from me and had someone who had been a teacher, a retired teacher, who was actually taller than I am. And he he basically just shadowed me the rest of the time and stood next to me, and that made it okay that that this guy who was respected in the community um, was was with wow. me. Interesting. Yeah. So you were mostly studying their music and what their music is like? Yeah. So I I would record um, typically, well, with the Messiah, it was almost always a ceremony. It was some, so I wasn't, um, they weren't, they weren't performing for me. They were performing Mm -hmm. for um, uh, whatever. um, The first, the first one that I went to was actually, I was very fortunate. There was this only happens like once every twenty years or so. Mm. Excuse me. They um, the 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 circumcision ceremony for boys. Wow. Um, and this was actually the 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 initial ceremony. So it, it takes over a year to get to the final ceremony where the circumcision happens. But this was the opening ceremony, and it, it was we had gone to a community and. Um, we got there really early in the morning, and the whole thing started with slaughtering two cows, and then preparing the food. And, and in this, and the the, the women prepare the, prepare their own food, and the men prepare their own food. And um, <laughs> and and they let me um, videotape everything and and be a part of as much as I wanted to be. Um, I I was trying not to eat the food, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> which I try to. I you typically I try to eat uh, the food that's there, but. Um, the Maasai, um, they like, um, raw things and they, mm. and they also, um, drink the blood of, of, of cows and, and that's part of their tradition. Um, I didn't drink any blood, but I, 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 I had some meat that I <laughs> struggled with eating, <laughs> uh, sure. wow. uh, but it was, I mean, they had given it, I was in a, I was in a small room with, with the, the, the heads of the of the community and the the leader was very upset that that they weren't taking better care of me and I kept saying I don't want to be even noticed here I mean I, mm. I mean he didn't understand me and I didn't understand we had a translator yeah and I said I that's not my point in being here you don't have to it, it can be that I'm not even here and he just wanted me to have some meat and yeah. and so they finally they came in and it it was presented to me on a on a stick, um, and it was a big chunk of meat on the, that was kind of speared by this stick, and it was surrounded by branches of a um, of a kind of herb, um, the leaves, green leaves um, on it, and um, and a machete, and and so I was given the machete, and I was supposed to cut the meat off, and I was supposed to eat the first piece and then give it to everybody else and and i i, I could hardly do I, I and i i cut off too big a piece <laughs> for me for the first one but i i and it's it's, it's kind of semi-cooked 
and mm. it's and and just in general, the the beef in Tanzania is is not how we typically have beef. It's it's very very tough and very sinewy, mm. um, and and so I my 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 colleague who traveled with me all the time, I said to him, and he's he's also Maasai, and I and I said to him, I'm going to give this to you because you can do it better than me. And mm. and I said, I'm not going to do anything more with this. And and, and so he then kind of distributed it to everybody else. And um, But the big thing then was that, so the, the three men who were kind of the heads of the whole community, they then brought in this meat that was even less cooked and more just like, um, almost like, like the hide. Mm. And, and, and it was, and, they insisted on giving me a piece of that <laughs> and and I put it in my mouth and I, I just couldn't I couldn't do it and but I so I just kept it in my mouth and when things got got kind of loud I took it out of my mouth and mm. kind of threw it the, the, the floor is dirt I was sitting on a chair that was about less than a foot off the ground and there are dogs that come around, so I just figured a dog would come and <laughs> right. take care of it for me. But um, wow. typically, that's so. That's not typically how I would would behave in in a in a in a community like that. And and nobody saw that I was doing it, and I was very gracious, but um, I just couldn't do it. Wow. <laughs> well, that just kind of underscores how far from home you were. Yeah. And, yeah. And what a dramatically different culture this was, in which you were, in a sense immersing yourself exactly at, yeah. the, at the end of your research did you end up in a sense creating something I right mean, so i'm in the process of creating i want this, so that was the 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 messiah experience i always they they never kind of just because i was there did something and the other two groups the chaga and the and the um meru they're they're more connected with 20th 21st century culture they during the day they they typically just wear western style dress and so they when i went to visit them they were performing for mm. me um so all but all all three experiences were um um we'd have two video cameras and a camera um and i also used my ipad um and we recorded everything and then i'm still in the process of kind of um putting all that together I've I've shared some of it already, but my goal is to create, um, and this was part of my proposal to both my, for both my sabbatical and for Fulbright, was to create teaching and learning resources to be used in the schools to teach the music of these cultures and about the cultures themselves in the school. Hmm. Um, yeah, so I'm still working on that part of it. Wow. Uh no small feat, right? <laughs> and now you're back to full time right, duties here at Carthage. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah. Uh, in addition to this field research, you were also, of course, teaching in yes. Tanzania. We just probably have a couple of minutes to talk about that. But wow. you were teaching at this university, and you were telling me before we went on the air that those duties were pretty relentless. Yes. Yeah. And what kinds of things were you teaching there, and what was it like to teach in a setting like that? So I arrived on January fourth. I think that was a Monday. And I started teaching on January fifth, and wow, um, yeah, and and I didn't really have a clear understanding of what it was I was going to be teaching until I got there, mm. and um, I, I there was the, there was a group of six students that I had as students the whole time I was there. So there were some other classes where I had different students, but these six were kind of what we would consider the seniors, um, 
And um, and so when I first got there, I was teaching um, a course called Composition and Arranging, and oh boy, I can't oh research writing a research proposal, and there was a third class. Oh, I also oh and I conducted the choir, mm. um, which was called Western Music Ensemble, oh. um, and um, and so the. Uh, but what 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 I quickly learned, um, so I had this whole plan for teaching the composition and arranging, and um, even kind of the, what we might consider the best student had very limited um, ability to read music, to uh. to to look at a score and know how to interpret that. Um, so I'm teaching a composition and arranging class, and um, and basically had to start in a different place. I think. And we had lots of conversations about it because I wanted to value their experience and where they were. Um, in Tanzania, there are very few um, opportunities to learn music in the schools. And so most of them hadn't started playing an instrument or learning music until they were like 19 after they were done with school. Hmm. Um, and, and most of my students averaged about the, uh, 26 or 27 years old. Um, so they're, again, another difference. Um, yeah. They were very, and they were very mature. And, and, and so just kind of thinking about that and rethinking what composition and arranging is and how do I get to that with, with students who don't have what I would have thought were the kind of the fundamentals needed for that. And we ended up writing some really great music together. We did a lot of stuff together. Huh. Um, and it was neat. And the language barrier was handled that by the was translator? A, that was a, well, so Tumani University is an English language. Oh. Um, and it's actually affiliated with the Lutheran Church as well. Um, but it's, uh, all courses are supposed to be taught in English. I know that there are some that are not. Hmm. Um, but, um, but yeah, so, but the, but the, again, just like the music experience, the, the ability to understand English among the students that I worked with was, was a, there was a range. And mm. some, some this was their first time having to, having to converse in English kind of consistently. Yeah. Um, so there were some times where I'd say, can you say that in Swahili for me mm. to just to one of the students? Sure. Yeah. Wow. So this is, you know, sort of the twin, twin responsibilities you had uh, doing yes. this teaching, doing this field research, and it it all sounds amazing, and of course, yeah, in in, in, in a changing, yeah, yeah, in a beautiful country. I know that towards the end, uh, unfortunately, uh, you became ill. Yes, and I know this was a little bit of a of a, of an adventure in and of itself, and not the kind of adventure anybody uh, certainly seeks out. We should quickly say. It was not COVID. It wasn't. But, but, but it, there were ways in which it resembled COVID, right, and it, right. that obviously was it's a really a, frightening possibility for right. you. It never was fully diagnosed or diagnosed at all, I mean, even when I got back to the U.S. And they, they think it was some kind of coronavirus, but not COVID, ah. um, because my, my lungs responded the same way um, someone might if they had kind of severe COVID. Um, and uh, it happened in, on July 11th. I started getting sick, and I was in Dubai at the time. I had to leave Tanzania in order to renew my, my, my visa. Um, you have to go out of the country and then come back in. Mm. Um, and so I had left and gone to Dubai, and I, I was going to be there. I was there for seven days, and on the fifth day, I got sick. And, mm. and the reason that we're, I'm, I and the doctors are fairly certain it's not COVID is because 
I had had two tests before. I had a test before I left for Dubai. I had a test when I arrived in Dubai. I had a test on the day that I got sick in order to, I was going to be leaving in two days. And then I had a test when I got to the airport in, in um, Tanzania. And all of them were negative. And then before leaving for the U.S. on July 28th, I had another COVID test. And all of them came back negative. Um, but I, I was essentially when it was at its worst, I had fevers over 103 and couldn't breathe and um, would wake up in the middle of the night just trying to get breath. And, um, um, and I came home. I was still quite sick. My wife was in a bit of a panic when she saw me. Um, and, um, and I bet that wasn't a fun flight home. No, uh, it was not at all. You know, uh, and I can, I mean, I, I can understand now when I, when people say, I think there are, because I was one of them, wearing a mask and, and struggling with breathing, I felt like a, the mask just made it so much worse. And mm. I, I felt like I couldn't breathe. And there were times when I pulled it down over my nose just because I felt like I needed to breathe. Hmm. Um, just a quick example of how I think I must have looked um, to people is um, when I was in the airport leaving Kilimanjaro Airport, I, I was in line to, to, you have to go through customs to leave, and there was only one window open when I got there, and there was a big long line, and, and at some point, another man came to open another window, and I was probably like 20th in line, and um, he got opened the window, and he pointed at me, and he said, he goes first, and... <laughs> Wow. <laughs> and, and I, they they let me go through the whole, and I, I kind of apologized to each person as I was walking through mm. the line. But um, I, I I was actually sitting on my heels, which I never do, because um, I couldn't stand and I was so mm. exhausted. And um, but it was and 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 so I'm 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 the good report is that I've I've done lots of doctor things in the month of August and. My next one is until October, but he was confident when I met him that thing I was getting better, and I I know that I am now. I couldn't have had this conversation mm. um, um, just just like three weeks ago. Just the act of this much talking exactly. would have been too taxing. Yeah, and now- I did a, I did a presentation for the Kenosha Public Library about two weeks after I got back, or maybe it was a week before classes started, and I said I wanted to do it to see if I would be able to teach classes. And mm. that I was very much struggling there. And I had to, about five minutes in, I had to stop and say, you're seeing me gasping for air. Just know that I'm okay mm. <laughs> and that I want to get through this. And, it's, and, um, and I did get through it, but it was, it was a challenge. And I, I don't have that experience anymore. So mm. that's a good sign. Wow. Well, I'm glad that most of your memories of Tanzania, <laughs> aside from some of the food, are so positive yeah, and that it was sure, such such sure. a tremendous experience for you and and uh, glad also that you've made such a robust recovery from this really Thank scary you. illness uh, that came at the very end of this uh, 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 remarkable time that you had in, in Tanzania, uh, teaching and doing research. And we look forward to hearing more about the Thank fruits you. of that yeah. research. We want to reiterate that Dr. Peter Dene also coordinates Carthage's uh, Christmas festival, the theme of which this year is Come to Us, Abide with Us. And unlike last year because of COVID, this year uh, members of the community can be there at, in the audience but it's a very limited number of tickets that will be sold, and they go on sale tomorrow. That's and great. you go to Carthage.edu, do a search for the box office, and that's where you can 
reserve your tickets for the Carthage Christmas Festival, which I assume is the first weekend in December. That's correct, yes. All right. Dr. Peter Denae, uh, it's been great to talk with you about this uh, this experience that you had. Uh, it was so fun to see various photographs uh, that you posted on Facebook and, and other information you shared about uh, your adventures in Tanzania. And uh, we're just glad that it all worked out so very well that you got to go at all. Yeah, right. And, uh, and I'm so glad that you uh, joined me today on the morning show to, uh, to, to share these stories. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me.